What the If is brought to you by listeners like you, thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If. Intergalactic Communication Edition. For good or ill. I think I'm actually going to start attaching for good or ill to all of my emails <laughs> from now on. Would you attach it in the, in the greeting or in the sign-off? No, it's definitely at the end, I think. <laughs> so we're going to meet on Tuesday for good or ill. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, you know, with the pandemic, I think it's <laughs> well. That's right. It's, a, yeah, it's it could be literally ill. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Gabby is not here. Speaking of the pandemic, Although, okay. and, uh, only Although because should, she. But, yeah, I think she's fine. It's just yeah, she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's moving. I think on the move. Mm-hmm. On Which assignment. On the yeah. move. Um, so uh, she sends her greetings. Uh, to everyone, she will be back next week, I believe, from a new location, um, a new undisclosed, a new undisclosed location, undisclosed location <laughs> for good or ill. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that would be great. Like they should, they could put that, just put that in large type above the entrance to her lab. I imagine. Oh, that's a good idea. Actually, welcome yeah. for mm-hmm. good or ill. Um, but uh, how are things in your lab today? Uh, my lab today is full of, um, uh, mischievous cats and vomiting dogs. So fairly gross as the answer oh, goes. No. Yeah. Oh, no. It's just, she's fine. It's just, you have some dogs just like to eat disgusting things and then yeah. change their mind about it later. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other day, uh, my cat who also, you know, occasionally look, barfing is part of the, uh, you know, the life cycle, I suppose. And uh, she just, it's, this is, uh, you know, I'm sorry to drag our listeners down this road, but uh, since you mentioned it, it's a topic that has to be discussed. Um, uh, my cat jumped up on the table, the oh. dining table, and then looked over the edge and then just barfed. <laughs> it was sort of like, <laughs> I'm going to be on display. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one of ours did that a, a little while back where she... Um... There, there's a couple of high points in the apartment where the cats yeah. like to go to, to yeah. supervise and watch what's going on. So she yeah. climbed up to the highest spot and then vomited and it just went <laughs> everywhere. It was really For good or ill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's definitely ill. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but then they seem to be fine. They're like, yep. Exactly. Was... They're like, yeah, whatever. Let's that get was awesome. Things. Yeah. Yep. Feed me again, please. Yeah, yeah, come snuggle me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so off on a great foot uh, mm-hmm. uh, this morning, but um, we're, let's just just jump right in. Uh, by the way, I have not introduced you, Matt Stanley, professor, historian of science at, mm-hmm. at New York University. Mm-hmm. For good or ill. Oh, for good or ill. <laughs> <laughs> and I am uh, Philip Shane, documentary filmmaker, with no professional affiliation whatsoever. <laughs> That's right. You're a, a Ronin, masterless samurai. Ooh. Yeah. Sounds better. Um, we have a, we have an if from a listener. We haven't had one of these in a while, so uh, wonderful. Yep, and I should say we have a very specific connection to this listener, too. Um, yes. Is that this is Dave from Alaska. 
um, who is my cousin-in-law, um, who, uh, amongst other things, taught my daughters, my and Zoe, how to uh, gut and clean fish, uh-huh. um, which is a skill I could not have, have taught them myself. I was um, going to say, speaking of samurai. Yeah, and we were um, up on, oh, actually on top of a cliff in Alaska, um, uh, cleaning these fish that uh, we had caught on a, a fishing trip with him. Wow. Um, and he, uh, we, we sort of clean the first one, and he takes the guts and throws it over the cliff. And my, my wife, Janelle, who's an expert chef, says, oh, no, I could, I could cook with those. I could make this delicious stock. And he says, no, this is how we do it in Alaska. <laughs> and we got the second one, and he throws the guts over the edge. Um, and she's getting increasingly upset. And he says, no, just trust me. This is how we do it in Alaska. And then the third one, he throws the guts over. And this gigantic bald eagle swoops out of nowhere and catches the guts midair wow. and zooms off. So the eagle is probably like three feet from us as it came down. Um, so, so Dave, thanks for teaching us how we do it in Alaska. That is amazing. Yeah, that is how you do it in Alaska. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. And and Janelle was right. It was delicious. The, e- the eagle. The eagle really enjoyed it. That's right. Yeah. Um, I was a little alarmed at the possibility that the eagle might decide that we were the delicious treats worth carrying yeah. off. But <laughs> we spread. <so. laughs> wow. What a great story. So, yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah Dave writes in. From uh, Wasili, is that Wasilla? Wasilla, mm-hmm. Wasilla Alaska. Um, and he wrote in and he said, uh, Good evening. I'm writing from Wasilla, Alaska. I recently found the podcast. So he knew about you, but he didn't. That's right. This is a total coincidence that he found the, the podcast as well. Yeah. Yeah. I recently found the podcast, which I now listen to religiously on my morning commute into work. Um, and uh, by the way, by sending this in, Dave. Rises to super ifer That's right. status. Mm-hmm. Super ifer Pretty status. Yeah. If you send in an idea that we run with and we do a show on, you become super ifer. So, Dave, welcome to super ifer status. That's how you do it in Alaska. Um, funny enough, he says, funny enough, after researching more on you all, <laughs> Matthew and I met Uh-oh. when he and his family <laughs> came up to visit. Right. Um, he says, uh, here's his, his, his if, his suggestion. He says, what the if, dot, dot, dot. So I like, I like the drama. Mm-hmm. What the if we were ever to make contact with an advanced extraterrestrial life form? I like how we didn't say alien. You know, he took the time. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yeah. yeah, took the time to say advanced extraterrestrial life form. We'll get into some of these specifics we'll use in the if coming up. He says, I, Dave says, I remember reading an article a while back where Stephen Hawking had warned that we really should not reach out to or send back any communication to a potential vastly more powerful species. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is true. He did, he did warn us of that. Uh, ultimately, what could this look, look like? What's the take from the scientific community on this topic? Would the first contact come from a superior civilization, I'm assuming? Are we actively looking for techno-signatures? This has been something I have questioned since I was a kid, and quite honestly, I don't think we will ever really know until it happens. However, I quite enjoy each one of your takes on the complex questions that you are asked in the various episodes, and would be interested in getting your take on this one. Well, Dave, your, what is it? Your something is our command. Your wish (laughs) is our command, and we ask, what the if 
Earth received communication from an advanced, superior, perhaps vastly superior, extraterrestrial civilization. And we ignored, this is perhaps the most risky part of the entire operation, we ignored Stephen Hawking's advice. Yeah, we just get get sick of hearing the synthesized voice and you're like, all right, Stephen, that's enough. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so the the detail of it being a much more advanced civilization, I think, is 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 interesting and important. Um, yeah, and and raises some some challenging questions too, because um, a lot of SETI assumes that uh, that is search SETI, which is uh, intelligence. Just, yeah, that, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. search um, uh, assumes that whoever it is we're making contact with is pretty much like us except more so right that's mm. it's like it's like the way the jetsons were like us right that's ever they're totally recognizable they just have flying cars um, right. so they're like star trek aliens right they're 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 exactly like us um except they have forehead ridges um or green skin or something right that's right um, that's right uh, but if we want to imagine and so i should say to, to answer uh, one part of dave's query is um, scientists do spend a lot of time thinking about this. And one of the things that you do is you kind of run the numbers. So we as a civilization have been around for, I mean, depending on how you want to count, 10,000 years. And we've mm-hmm. been a, 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 a communicating in the interstellar sense civilization for 100, maybe. Um, but the universe is 13 billion years old. Okay. Yeah. So that means that uh, we are the the newest of the newcomers on the scene. Okay, um, you know, Sagan used to like to do his his cosmic calendar, where says if you imagine the the whole universe, the the age of the universe is is one year. Um, we as a technological civilization have appeared in the last second of the last minute of December thirty first. Right. Um, so that's a whole lot of time for other civilizations to have appeared and evolved. So just playing the, the numbers, if we encounter a random civilization, they are probably vastly older than us. Right. Um, uh, unless, I should say, in the big asterisk here, is, well, if civilizations tend to destroy themselves <laughs> shortly right. after becoming technological, then then there's nobody around to talk to, but we can we can sideline. But all it takes is one. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, and if that's one actually, that's made it. Yeah. That's right. The one that's made it because the um, these numbers, you know, millions and billions of years, are really big numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so even though our galaxy is huge and the distances between stars are vast, um, it's a it's sort of a quick back of the envelope calculation to show that if you have a billion year old civilization, they're going to fill the galaxy very very quickly. Um, right. Uh, by their standards, anyway, right? right. Um, so, if so, the the way the gambling goes is, if you encounter a civilization, it's probably much older and more advanced than you. Right, right. Now, the it's interesting too, just but to imagine that older means more advanced because they not only have mm-hmm. to be a very old civilization, they have to still have their wits about them. I mean, I can oh, imagine, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we just per se, mm-hmm. per, perhaps. 
whatever the word is. Yeah. Uh, we look at people who are considerably old. As someone who is getting older day by day, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm getting more sophisticated. Um, that's right. So this is uh, an important detail, too, is the civilization still has to be interested in exploring and oh, yeah, talking yeah. to um, younger civilizations, too. Right? Yeah. So as you because as you say, as as an old person, sometimes I don't want to talk to young people because they are <laughs> they are young and full of energy and interested in the world and still care about things. Um, <laughs> and I'm not sure all those things apply to me anymore. So right. there's, there's was some it, sense uh... of... <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if it, I don't know if, if it was Seinfeld. There was some comedian who had a had a routine about, uh, you know, at a certain point you stop making friends because you're like, yes. I'm, I'm, I've got enough. We're not. Um, we don't have an opening. Right. We may have yeah, an opening right. in the future. And actually, I think that might be a good way to to think about this, right? When you're yeah. 60 years old, you're not making a lot of new friends. So right. when your civilization is five billion years old, you're right. probably not interested in making new friends either, right? right? You've you've made all the friends you need. Right. Um, and this has also given rise to a suggestion that uh, again, odds are, uh, if we encounter a vastly older civilization and we probably won't be talking to the aliens themselves but we'll be talking to their automated response systems right oh, their their, their intelligent call voicemails they're exactly right right which is probably staffed by robots that have been there for 10 million years yeah. uh and we are the latest call um that they are connecting to uh you know that's not so bad I, I, maybe that's that's kind of cool because then we can be we can be uh sent to the appropriate level of communication well that's right it would be nice if there was a a delegated um yeah help desk just for junior civilizations right (laughs) if Uh, you are a small rocky planet (laughs) press one yeah press one (laughs) if you would like to continue in klingon press two Uh, yeah. Uh, if you so are th- currently dressed as a Klingon, but you are not a Klingon, <laughs> please hang up. Please hang <laughs> call up. us back in ten million years when your civilization after, has grown beyond Comic Con. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is so. This is um, the, that's it would be nice. And there's um, I say that's a, a fairly standard trope in say science fiction is that there's this one extremely old civilization mm-hmm. that's kind of laid the groundwork for everybody else, um, and then often kind of retreats from the doings of the of the universe and just mm-hmm. does whatever it is older civilizations do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like in in contact, whoever made the wormhole system um, in uh, let's see in Babylon five, what were they the um, the Vorlons, I remember that right? I think that's right. Mm. Um, these civilizations that have grown beyond the the ordinary interests of of, of day to day life here, right? Or whoever um, made the proto molecule in yeah, the exactly expanse. right. Yeah, I can't remember what they call them in the expanse. Yeah, the proto molecule engineers, I think they call them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's often this sense that they are because of that vast age. Um, and technological advancement is that we can't, we as earthers cannot really understand them in some way, right? Mm-hmm. There's some, mm-hmm. some deep difference. Um, and I think perhaps again, as a, a semi old person, I, I appreciate that whenever I get a new crop of freshmen in, uh, I don't think I understand your basic outlook on the world and I'm going to have to, to, to work at this to make sure we can communicate. Yeah. Um, and oh, then, that's interesting. Actually, that's from that's interesting that you're saying from the perspective of the older civilization, actually looking yeah. at the younger and saying, "I don't mm-hmm. understand." That's, that's like, true. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> like true. That's, yeah. Um, 
because the the younger civilization probably is champing at the bit. We want to get out there and visit a pulsar, and that's like, right. ugh, <laughs> how how many billions of pulsars have we visited? <laughs> we don't need to go look at another one. Um, and then again, I think sort of a trope in science fiction sometimes too is that the, the young civilization then re-inspires the old ones. Oh yes, the universe is a marvelous place okay. again. We should go out and enjoy ourselves. And, yeah. um, but again, this this question of sort of how how much like us they are, and how much they share our concerns and values, um, mm-hmm. is actually a really profound question. Um, and Hawking's sort of warning about this comes from our history of these sorts of encounters uh, here on Earth, mm-hmm. um, which is when different civilizations run into each other, it often doesn't go so well. Um, and we need to be a little bit careful here talking about things like advanced civilizations here on Earth because it it, it quickly devolves into a kind of uh, cultural imperialism, saying if, if one civilization is more advanced than the other, we say that's better than the other. Um, yeah. And that's problematic in all sorts of ways. So we want to be, be careful with that language, I think. Yeah. Um, but the, it, I think the, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, it was, it was interesting. I was just traveling out in uh, Idaho, actually. I was driving from, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, from Spokane, Washington to Missoula, Montana. And uh, you pass through Idaho, it's a magnificent country. And um, there was an old mission. It's called the Old mm-hmm. Mission. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, it is the oldest building in Idaho. And uh, a magnificent place. And uh, just a uh, you know, very small, very beautiful thing. But it had there's a magnificent museum there. Actually, it's quite new, and incredibly detailed. I mean, I I thought I was just going to stop by for a few minutes, take a few pictures, and I got sucked into this museum. And I was there for a couple of hours because uh-huh. uh, it was so interesting. Very very detailed, but very tragic history of the Native Americans' encounters with the Europeans there. Mm-hmm. Um, a rare instance of the, uh, the the history there was that the Native Americans heard about the um um that there were these religious figures traveling through the continent and they wanted to find them so we we often hear about this story being you know that the the white man coming in and just sort of taking over or whatever happens um but this was an instance where they heard about it and they were like wow they you know we hear they have powers uh, Mm -hmm. what they call medicine or medicine powers and uh they wanted they wanted some of that and so they actually traveled they sent uh native americans created a, a party and sent out some emissaries and went to St. Louis oh, and wow. found some Jesuits. Anyway, it's an incredible story. That's and they a, came what back. A, yeah, what a fascinating inversion of the the usual mission story, right? Yeah. Um, and I think we could certainly easily imagine um, something like that happening with humans and extraterrestrials too, right? We yep. we see a, a, a techno signature around another star, um, hopefully a close one, and yep. you could easily imagine that that would be the incentive to go send a, um, a, a mission there right? yeah. to, to and go talk, chat with them. It's ter- tragic. Spoiler alert. I mean, it, it goes very well for a while. They come and they built mm-hmm. this mission, which I was yeah. visiting, a magnificent place, and things go very well. Um, it's uh, the Jesuits who came were very interested in. Um, they said they were interested more in conversion than um, more in. Um, I forget the word. They had some collaboration instead of conversion or some some word. Basically, they they were kind of like okay, these particular uh, missionaries were okay with blending the cultures instead of mm. stomping yeah. out. Yeah. However, 
as time went by, unfortunately, it turned into just an awful story. And the, you know, the orders came down from the church and then the U.S. government to totally, you know, crush the um, Native Americans. They weren't allowed to speak their language. They weren't allowed to practice their religion. They all died of disease. And anyway, had there been a Stephen Hawking type, I'm sure there were members of the... Um, yeah, so this is maybe not such said, a good idea, At the beginning, right? don't be sending emissaries. Yeah, it um, And this is, yeah, so this encounter... It's when when Hawking and folks, you know, warn about this. It's mm -hmm. the encounter between the Europeans um, and the folks in the New World that um, that we have in mind um, yeah. as as one civilization sort of showing up on somebody else's shores. Right. And as you say, that did not end well for the the people who were in the place yeah. where you and I are standing right now. Stephen, um, Stephen Hawking, yeah. being British, I imagine he was even aware. You know, a much wider yeah, from context. the other Africa side, right? And, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so Hawking's <laughs> warning was: when one civilization shows up with technological and logistical capabilities that are greater than the people they're encountering, um, bad stuff happens. Yeah. And uh, Hawking had run the numbers, like we've been talking about, and say, odds are, if we meet extraterrestrials, we're going to be the people with less capability. Um, yeah. And that's bad, is what he wants to say. Um, so there's this this thing we do where we reason from our experience as humans to extrapolate to what it must be like on the galactic scene as well. Um, so so one metaphor there is colonization, right? Which is what mm. happens to the the new world here. Um, so the aliens show up uh, in Earth orbit. Um, and say, you know, you've got some things that we might like to have, that shiny rock. Uh, and also we have some ideas that I think you might be interested in, mm -hmm. if you wouldn't mind changing some of your religious beliefs, perhaps. Um, and then, you know, whatever the equivalent of the sacking of Tenochtitlan is, or the, the smallpox epidemic um, uh, that kills vast numbers of, of people here, is that then we would be on the receiving end um, of that kind of colonization the hard, strategy. The hard right? thing to imagine, though, is I was even thinking, I was like, okay, I can imagine, for instance, the Spaniards or the Romans going back and further in time, going somewhere and, uh, you know, finding some very, from their, <clears throat> compared to them, a very impoverished society and and, but the question would be, what did they find valuable? And then you pointed to gold. Okay. Mm -hmm. gold so gold to the uh, colonizers, to the uh, European empires, was mm -hmm. extremely valuable and not something they could make. It's hard to right. imagine mm -hmm. what would we have to offer. Well, and I think that's actually a really important question for, for thinking through this problem, too, is that yeah. because the, even if you have the technology for traveling between stars, it's going to be difficult and expensive to do. Yeah. So is there um, something at the end of that journey that's worthwhile for resource extraction? And I think you're probably right to say no, that it doesn't right. seem likely that a galaxy spanning civilization is going to find something that we have valuable, at least in the, the sense of like, you know, our pile of cobalt or something, right? Because right. they can find cobalt anywhere they want. Right. Um, you could imagine that perhaps that means... Uh, the easy availability of resources to that kind of civilization might mean that cultural things are more valuable, right? They'd come mm, here mm, for mm. Um, our cartoons or something, right? Um, <laughs> for Futurama. Like in, 
Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. So, like in the David Brin um, Uplift series of novels, um, the only currency that, or this is the situation in the Uplift novels, is that Earth is a, a new civilization on the scene, and the only currency they have, uh, the Earth has, is um, songs, essentially, because that's something <gasps> that the aliens. Um, haven't heard before right they haven't heard our our music so that's something that we can sell them and trade them and interestingly they're actually the aliens turn out to be more interested in whale songs than human songs oh, um, so whales become this or cetaceans in general um, become this really important economic link between humans and aliens ah, interesting. Um, yeah so maybe cultural stuff and i should say right. cultural stuff of, of that sort is something that um, they don't have to come here physically for as well right we can transmit future uh -huh. to them um, so i don't know quite how you work out a galactic economy on that uh -huh. um, uh -huh. but that might suggest that they wouldn't bother uh, colonizing us in the conquistador sense um, because there isn't stuff here worth getting right there's uh, also the idea that you know it's interesting you mentioned that because it's sort of like uh, value is in the eye of the beholder, and it might be that they're just power hungry. You know, yep, honestly, that's right. it's just um, like we just like, or, or, or as the Vogons say in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, they come here, they have to destroy Earth because they're building a viaduct. That's right. And when Ford, yeah, that's right. Ford We're Prefect just... complains, they say, "You just, we have to build. You have to build viaducts." Yeah. Just um, and that's a and that's a good example again of us, us not understanding what the. Civiliz the, the more advanced civilization cares about and vice versa, right? right? So we really care about our planet um, yeah. and not about their viaduct. And the Vogons are like, there's planets everywhere. What are you, yeah. why are you so attached to this particular thing, right? There's progress that has to be made. Okay. Um, so you could, yeah, totally imagine that, right? Somebody's building a, a hyperspace superhighway. Yeah. Um, that will happen to destroy our sun. Um, and we really care about our sun, but nobody else cares about our sun because That's there's right. 100 billion of them in the galaxy. Which so, frankly is, is, it, is a, you know, the metaphor is obvious. And of course, Douglas Adams, the author, was a, a satirist. Um, we do, that is what happens when we build highways. We, well, the government will bust through a neighborhood and destroy an entire neighborhood. And it's just, we just, we just have to do it. You know? Yeah. That's just, that's just, the way things are yeah. um, and so in that case, we're the, um, we're not even the less advanced civilization. We're the squirrels that happen to live yes. in this patch of ground where the highway is being built. Yeah. Um, and unless there's some weirdo environmentalists, galactic environmentalists that are trying to protect us. Um, yeah. We're just going to get literally rolled over. Um, yeah. We might not even be aware of that, that yep. the civils, the, the aliens are coming to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. Yeah. it's not like we go and talk to the squirrels ahead of time. That's um, right. We just do so it. To go, to go back to Dave's, Dave's if, his query mm -hmm. was, what if we receive a communication from them? So this would be as if we sent, a, as if the squirrels did at least get a message. Yeah. Okay. On an acorn? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. So there's, um, let's put aside the, the linguistic challenge for the moment, which we mm -hmm. often spend some time talking about. That is, can we decode the message? Let's assume, assume we can decode it in the, the literal sense of understanding mm -hmm. the the words mm -hmm. and the, the verbs and the nouns. Right. Um, can we understand its meaning um, in the, the bigger sense of we're going to build a hyperspace superhighway um, or we need you to convert to our religion or we want you to send more Futurama? Um, yeah. 
those things are more difficult to convey. Um, and, you know, a statement like, we want you to send more Futurama, that could be a request, that could be an offer for trade, that yeah. could be a threat. Um, and that's not, the, those are not easy things to, uh, those are not easy subtleties to convey, right? Um, and something like, again, like in, in Sagan's um, movie Contact, uh, we get these instructions to build a machine. Uh, yeah. Should you build the machine? Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, and of course, because it's a Sagan story, the, the aliens are benevolent and want to take care of us. Um, right. but other, but even it, they're in the story, there is some discussion, right? Exactly. There right. This is that the people say, arguments. well, maybe it's a Trojan horse instead, right? right? We, we open the, the, the machine opens a wormhole and the vegan army comes out. Right. Um, or it's like the proto molecule in, uh, the expanse where yeah. they're literally just want to take over our our life forms as raw processing power for their for their own machines Um, and it's just sheer luck that we we happen to to survive that Um, uh, or it's just a bomb the the alien civil the the greater uh, the alien civilization doesn't want to have to deal with us for whatever reason yeah we're we're irritating or yep. they're worried we'll become a threat in a billion years. So if they can convince us to build a planet-cracking bomb and destroy ourselves now, that saves them a whole lot of time. Very efficient. Yeah, yeah it's a budget-saving measure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's also the the Trojan uh, horse is a great story and is a powerful myth. And mm-hmm. is, you yeah, know, and mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's right. It's the because it's the the gift that turns out to be uh, a threat. Right. Yes, um, and that is something that. I don't know if you're that that plays to our cynicism so well, I think, in this modern age that, of course, the aliens are going to try to screw us over. Right. Um, And they're going to try to screw us over by taking advantage of our greediness Uh Uh because we want to think that the aliens are giving us nice stuff. We'll do whatever they tell us to. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So the I think the conversation we would have as a civilization, as a planetary civilization, would be a really interesting one as we try to sort this out. Yeah. Um, I have a hard time imagining us coming to consensus on this. I don't know about you. Um, oh, us trying to decide what to do. Yeah, no, yeah. it would be a, a total mess, which is... But um, so here's what would happen is lots of people... <laughs> this is what I see happening. Lots of people would reply. In fact... Um, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Seth Shostak, the head of SETI, has often said um, that uh, if they heard, if they did get a signal and they verified it, the first thing SETI, the organization, would do is post the frequency and the location, you know, with the idea. Uh, yeah, of that's right, because that's what they do. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. right. Here's the information. Go check it out. But I can imagine everybody suddenly just uh, everybody with a ham radio or um, <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. they got start sending messages, and so. The uh, now those would be for the most part incredibly low powered. Uh, that's right, um, but it would not be that hard to fix that problem. <laughs> right, <laughs> that is, right. Um, you know, for probably a good fifty million dollars, which is not an outrageous amount of money these days, right. um, to uh, build a a interstellar scale um, transmitter. Um, yeah. and so, so I should say certainly within the the resources of a nation state. Right. Um, even somebody small. So like, I don't know, Luxembourg. Luxembourg decides uh, they want to be first out of the gate talking uh-huh. to the alien civilization. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So while uh, 
the United Nations is haggling over this. The Luxembourgians, Luxembourgers, I suppose, um, build <laughs> so their, delicious. <laughs> uh, build their transmitter um, uh, and start replying, uh, or right. start building the machine. Right, if it's this this series of machines too, right. um, and it's, I think it's easy to imagine lots of nation states that might feel that they are low status and power here on earth today, deciding that this is going to be their leg up. Yeah. Um, perhaps an analogy to the way uh, a lot of countries thought about nuclear weapons back in the late 20th century, uh, yeah. right? India and Pakistan felt like they were not being taken seriously as powers. So they're like, well, once we will build nuclear weapons and then everyone will take us seriously. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, I could imagine there being a bit of a scramble behind the scenes for that. So I don't know if that, this would be sort of an equivalent to the arms race. Or even more. Yeah, that's a century. great point. Because even more sinister, like North Korea builds mm -hmm. a nuclear weapon. I can, you yeah. know, some like North Korea could be the first one. In fact, it, it wouldn't surprise me if North Korea has already built a gigantic most powerful radio transmitter in the world that they've got encased in a mountain just, in case, yes. just for this situation. And, um, and they say, we are, you know, we are the head of earth, whatever we represent mm -hmm. earth and, and land here first. And, uh, You'll be well yeah. taken care of. Okay. You know, like Dennis Rodman first, and then the great extraterrestrial. <laughs> the extraterrestrial. Well, he's he's kind of halfway there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that's right. So this is this is one of the um, the challenges of the way we think about SETI is. Um, there's the sense that, well, of course, we'll have a unified response, but we don't have a unified response to anything, right? right. We, we, we as humans are terrible at this. Yeah. Um, we do In fact, this could be part of their, you know, look, the ET are so knowledgeable um, that they, that creating, uh, creating disorganization may be part of their plan. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, and that, again, is, is a place where human history is very um, possibly illustrative for this mm, is mm. that one of the things that colonizers do is turn groups against each other. Oh, right. Um, and that's a way to, to turn small advantages into big advantages, right? So when the British take over India, it's not like a giant British army shows up and conquers the country. That is not it at all. It's mm. this tiny group of, it isn't, it isn't even the British government, right? It's just the East India company screwing huh. with everybody, huh. um, is turning all the locals against each other um, wow. until everybody gets weak enough um, that the Brits are able to, to come in and dominate. Mm. Um, and presumably the alien civilization or could have a billion years of experience doing this sort of thing. So they're probably really good yeah, at figuring yeah. this out, right? For, for yeah. engineering a Luxembourg, North Korea axis um, yeah. that ends up destroying the whole planet. But getting back to their motivations, I think that we would have to say that, uh, um, well, also for the purposes of the if, we, we say the purposes, clearly they, they're not interested in destroying us outright. Because if they wanted to do that, they would just do it. They don't just like you were meant. We just mm -hmm. go pave through the squirrels park, and that's it. We don't send a message. Um, but I can imagine one of their motivations being. I guess it gets back to the idea of being of power. That for whatever mm, reason yeah. they they kind of. Um, you could imagine it being having an evangelical religious or whatever their equivalent of that mm -hmm. would be um, mission because to. Um, colonize to 
It's just yeah, spread we need, their we need religion to around enlightenment the to yeah uh, to the world to, to the yeah. galaxy, right? Um, yeah, that's yeah. very, again, that we have many examples of that from human history, too. Yeah. Um, and I think you could probably make a strong case that no civilization survives for a billion years without a really strong interest in expansion um, uh-huh. and conversion, maybe in this kind of sense. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and it might be that that conversion uh, allows for our continued existence. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, right. That is, um, they, they might be content with us converting to um, the Klingon religions. Um, and then we continue on with, with our civilization. Um, or it might be that their evangelicalism is that they need to inhabit every planet in the, the galaxy oh. and our presence is either unwanted or irrelevant. Uh-huh. Um, and again, those are two models of, of colonialism here on earth. There's settler colonialism where the white people go to the other country and start living there. Um, uh, and then there's the model where you kill everyone there first and then live there. Right. Um, and those are really different models to be on the receiving end of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, it's interesting is the, the motivation, the religious or, or, you know, it doesn't have to be a religion because I, I think for sure America has been interested in, and you, you could see this as a positive or a negative thing or neutral, whatever, but like spreading democracy, you know, spreading our system. Right. That is our goal, and 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 there's certainly other kinds of systems out there that would communism that prefer the world be their system. You know, mm-hmm. um, just makes things easier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's right, and that's I think the sort of that that Cold War ideological battle is a good example of it, right? The, so mm. the mm. the Americans think of themselves as exporting and defending democracy. The Soviets think of themselves as exporting and and defending communism. Um, but if you're uh, I don't know if you're a country that has not been part of that battle and these one of these groups shows up on your shore and they say, we're here to protect your democracy. And you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I, I don't understand your political system. I don't understand yeah. why you feel strongly about us adopting your political system. I don't know who these other people are who you're worried about defending us from who have never done anything to us. Um, so if you can imagine the billion year old galactic equivalent of that. Yeah. Um, how how baffling that would be to try and make sense of these, you know, I mean, you know, how, how baffling is our, our, our human rivalries that go back a thousand years um, yeah. or a hundred years that people still um, have extremely strong feelings about. Um, yeah. If you can imagine what those ideological commitments would look like after a billion years of a civilization reinforcing its own ideas um, and they show up one day. Uh, and I think that would be a very strange experience on our side um, yeah. to, to yeah. get up to up to cultural speed as it were right and hopefully right. we would have time to do so yeah and we could hope ultimately i i think the most benevolent uh situation would be that they come and they are just as you see in some science fiction stories they're just anthropologists and they're yes, really good right. intentions and that is you know that the ultimate the thing that their civil their civilization has everything they need but they just love knowledge. So um, that, would be, to that would be great. Yeah, th- th- I think yeah. that is a good one. Um, but we should keep in mind, for instance, that 
uh, again, here on Earth, um, <laughs> if anthropologists show up in your neighborhood, that's not necessarily a good thing yeah. um, because that means the whole civilization, the, their bigger civilization the anthropologists are coming from are now aware of you. Yeah. Um, and it might be that even if the anthropologists want to be nice to you, um, there's a corporation that's decided you have a plant that's good for the next yeah. round of drugs that they're going to develop. Um, and the corporation starts giving grants to the anthropologists to, to find your, your plots of, yeah. of growing. Right. Um, uh, and that could be messy. Um, so it's very hard to, I don't know. Um, I, I, I feel like it's, I, I find myself doing this slippery slope one way or the other in my head. Right. So if I'm in a Sagan esque kind of mood, of course, a billion-year-old civilization is going to be kind and have a help desk and get our <laughs> help us get our feet because they have all this experience in it. Um, yeah. And then, on the other hand, and say, of course, a billion-year-old civilization is not going to tolerate um, an upstart little civilization with its own ideas because they think they know how to run things, um, yeah. and they're not going to make any special exception for us yeah. um and then we can go full three-body problem as well and just say everybody is going to is trying to kill everybody else before they try to kill them that's right um, that's right that's and right. it's so it's very hard for me to end up in sort of a moderate position on on this if um yeah i, I just find myself running to the extremes really quickly yeah there was even i won't give away what story it was but there was some story where they just the extraterrestrials. They basically have like Roombas sweeping the galaxy. Yeah. They mm -hmm. just want to keep things clean, you know. <laughs> if they find a planet with something living on it, it's like oh, it's dust. Mm -hmm. Erase uh, it. Yeah, that's right. So, um, and which is this? I think it's the. Um, I think it's again the David Brin's Uplift series, where mm -hmm. the the galactic civilization's primary mission is just to maintain planetary ecosystems, um, <laughs> and whether or not things live, whether or not sentient critters live in those ecosystems is totally secondary. Um, <laughs> uh, and if, if you are, if your civilization is imperiling, um, a planetary ecosystem, they have no problem destroying you utterly. Yeah. Um, because they're like, look, we're here for the long term. Um, I, I don't care about the profit margins on your fossil fuel companies. Um, we need to plan for the next hundred million years. So yeah, get your yeah. act together. That's cool. Thank you for reminding me. I, I love David Brin's work. I, I don't yeah, I find books. his stuff really, really compelling too. Yeah, um, yeah, I got a lot out of it. Cool. Um, well, wonderful. Thank you for that. Thank you, Dave in Wasilla, Alaska. Yeah, Dave and family. Um, good to hear from you indirectly through the internet, and hope to see you soon. Hopefully, not in a colonization context. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the the Alaskan civilization will be showing up to colonize New York City shortly. Yeah, I can see that. I can mm -hmm. see that. Um, with their army of eagles, or their air force oh, of eagles. right? It'd be exactly. fantastic. Between the, yeah, between the <laughs> eagles and the bears, we've got no chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of, <laughs> there are lots of, uh, a lot of food flying, uh, laying on the ground in New York. So if the eagles ever come <laughs> by here, it, it, <laughs> although they have to fight the pigeons, that well, might be the say, real if the war. eagles can clear out the pigeons um, yeah. and the seagulls, that <laughs> would make true. me very happy. Um, but I, I, really, it's just, even mm -hmm. beyond the eels and the the bears. If a moose shows up on the streets of New York City, huh? it's over. <laughs> We're it's, they're unstoppable. Um, <laughs> touche, touche. Well, shout out to Alaska and Dave and everybody there. Um, Matt, anything you would like to plug? Anything coming? Oh up? Um, no, I think I'm still in my um, plugless summer. 
uh, phase okay. of things. Still in acoustic mode. Yeah. Very okay. good. Um, I hope that as the fall comes around, we, we should start get back into, um, we were <laughs> right before the pandemic hit, although it could be coming back yet again. Um, we were kind of starting to work on uh, live events. So yeah, that's right. So happen. if any of our listeners out there are interested in uh, organizing such a thing, we can, uh, we can do that. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, or, you know, also uh, online, you know, virtual events, things like that would, would mm-hmm. be fun too. We'll have to look into that. So, um, uh, Patreon members, thank you, by the way, uh, for supporting the show. Patreon, if you don't know about that uh, and you want to just check it out, no obligation, patreon.com slash what the if is a membership program we have. And um, there's all kinds of cool uh, merch you can get, and uh, and including one of the one of the uh, one of the more substantive bonuses you get are bonus content. And uh, Matt and I will be having a uh, an additional uh, after show discussion uh, that's available only to Patreon members. Mm-hmm. So you can join. Um, uh, there's different levels of membership you can join at, and um, I believe the the, the 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 bonus content is available for like level two and up. I forget the name. We have all kinds of funny names for them. Um, but uh, go check it out. Patreon.com/slash what if and thank you. And uh, Patreon members, remember to go to that page and get your um, exclusive uh, extra after show um, episode. Check it yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabby will be back next week. We believe. Hope all's going well. With her on her extra, oh, she may be fueling. She may be firing up an extraterrestrial army. I, oh yeah, except it would be an army of extraterrestrial viruses. So a fairly right. small army. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Small but powerful. Small but powerful. <laughs> small yeah. but powerful. Um, Matt, uh, what is the uh, epi- what is that, this ritual that we will um, certainly have to coerce the extraterrestrials into joining us? Well, I suspect it's probably going to go the other way around, right? <laughs> is that uh, right. our skies suddenly fill with <laughs> Vogon spaceships. That's right. Um, and they, they come down and they say, we need all of your socks. Um, and uh, if you want to join our galactic civilization, it is time for socks. Uh, to which we have no choice but to scream, What the Thank you all for listening and no matter what galaxy you're in right now and a shout out to stephen hawking sorry we we didn't take your advice <laughs> see you all next week 